solar mode is the solar mode and you're all alone in the solar mode and you miss your group or you had some kids but you bought some games why did you buy those games it's the solo mode it's the solo mode and you're all alone in the solo mode and your group is gone or you had some kids but you bought those games why did you buy those games why did you buy those games hello and welcome to game brain solo mode episode six it has been it has been a minute you guys it has been a while since we did a solo mode episode the last solo mode that we did was about games to play in quarantine that was about a year and a half ago it's been a long time we are now back to regular gaming until we find out that there's a massive COVID outbreak next week. But as of right now, things seem back to normal. But that hasn't stopped your solo gamer from playing a ton of solo games this entire year, as well as a whole lot of in-person games as well. Today, we're going to be discussing the state of the solo mode in 2022 by looking at solo modes that come uh, by looking at the solo modes that come with all this season's top SN games. I've played most of them, and I'm going to let you know what I think. I'm also going to be talking about my solo gaming during the year, games I've played, what I've enjoyed the most, and even my top solo recommendation of 2022. But let's start by talking about the gaming I've been doing in general over the past two weeks, including a play of a game called Deal with the Devil, which I'm going to say is hands down the most interesting game I've played this year. doesn't mean the best, but it does mean the most interesting. But first... Let's do a little games on the brain. Not going to play the sting, not going to play the song, but let's talk about games that I have been uh, playing in the last two weeks. It's been two weeks since we did an episode. We took a week off for Thanksgiving um, and uh, most people were out of town. Most people are still either out of town or unavailable, hence solo mode coming to you live today. Uh, but there has still been a lot of gaming, but I think the most important gaming that has happened in the last week is what we call... Black Friday addictions. This is where you buy things you probably shouldn't buy or don't need to buy, or maybe perhaps have always wanted to buy and finally had the opportunity, which is what happened to me. It all began with friend Ben Mandelker, the enthusiastic gamer. Uh, no, the opinionated gamer. I'm the enthusiastic. Why do I always forget what I am? I'm the, I'm the enthusiastic gamer. Ben is the opinionated gamer. And Ben put something on our Discord, you should join our Discord, it's fantastic, and said that the Twilight Imperium expansion was on sale for $30, an expansion that I think retail sells for over $100, often can be found for $80, was being sold by Board Game Bliss for $30. Now I'm a man who loves a deal, <laughs> and I'm a man with a board game addiction, and I think you can fill in the blanks on what happened. I, do I own... Do I own Twilight Imperium 4th Edition, the base game? I do not. Did I buy the expansion for Twilight Imperium 4th Edition for $30? You bet your keister I did. You bet your keister I went ahead and hit that button and that game was sent to me. And then, of course, your boy going to go looking around for some deals on the base game. Ben Mandelker, for the win again, came in, found a base game that usually, that retails for like 170 uh, often can be found online for 130 found it at Miniature Market for 100 So I bought the base game of Twilight Imperium 4 and the expansion for $130. And I feel like it was a good choice. Now you're asking yourself, 
Matt, you've never played Twilight Imperium. Why? And you've never really seemed all that interested in it. Why are you? Why? Why did you? Why did you buy those games? Well, I've always wanted to play Twilight Imperium. It's always been sort of like you know the a big hole in my gaming uh, repertoire. Uh, but I've always been a part of a group, aka this podcast and all the people you know and love, who have been, let's say, uh, less than enthusiastic about the prospect of playing that game. Especially Tom, famously, who has. Um, you know, pretty much derided it and said it's just not his cup of tea. Totally fine. I've always been curious, always wanted to try it, always looked like fun. And a lot of really smart people that I respect and trust who like a lot of the same games that I like have said nothing but positive things, saying that Twilight Imperium is the great big all day space game. Um, And why not? I'm in for that. So I bought the game. Ben and I have been talking. We're going to get a group together, maybe not the group that you know and love, maybe not necessarily Game Brainers, because again, one of my main ethos as a gamer is don't play games with people who don't want to play the game. I, we're not, we are lucky enough to live in a major metropolitan area called Los Angeles. We are not lacking for gamers willing to play any game. So nobody needs to be convinced to play a game. I want to be at a table full of enthusiastic people who are so happy to be there and looking forward to a wonderful day. So Ben and I are going to put together a group of like-minded individuals, and we're going to try to dive into some Twilight Imperium. Um, Maybe there will be some podcasting about it in the future. We'll see. But we're going to maybe try to get a monthly group together and just dive into Twilight Imperium, see what all the fuss is about. Well, Ben knows what all the fuss is about. He's played it a lot. He loves it. He's converted. Candace, I know, loves it, has played it a lot. I have never played it, and I'm excited to dive in, and hopefully I can find the right people to help me dive into that. So that was kind of my big uh, turkey week buy and obsession, and of course I bought, you know, some, had to buy, you know, you got to buy a you gotta buy a storage insert organizer for that, went on Etsy, figured that out. Um, anyway, that's what I was reading. Rule books, learned it, very excited to play it. Let's talk about other games that I have played this week, uh, or in the past two weeks, actually. So Eddie Wah has gotten a lot of plays, the new Uva Rosenberg, very exciting, I thoroughly enjoy it i've only played it twice including solo which we're going to talk about uh, in addition to those two multiplayer games and i'm very excited to play that uh some more i think while it is you know not going to break my top three or top five uva games um it could i don't know maybe it could maybe it'll blow my mind in the future but as of right now i'd say it's really enjoyable but i don't think it's knocking newsford or glass road or or at labora uh, off the list of my top Uva games that are not called Agricola. Um, played a really interesting game. Now, this was one, someone on our Discord recommended this one, and it it piqued my interest, and I saw that it was available uh, as a, the Kickstarter edition was, was for sale on a European website, so I went ahead and picked it up for what felt like a reasonable price. And it's really interesting. Um, when I say it's very splotter, I, 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 I mean almost literally. It's... It's very Roads and Boats. The game is has a lot in common with Roads and Boats. You're, you're, um, you don't have your own resources. You don't have wood and stone and all these things that are yours and yours only, much like in Roads and Boats. Uh, they are on the map, and anyone can uh, come and use them. You may produce them. You may have done the work to build them and bring them there, but somebody else can literally swoop in with a donkey, just like in uh, Roads and Boats and take all your hard work, take your goods and go build something fabulous with it. Um, it plays fast, 90 minutes maybe, could be an hour if somebody really rushes it. It is sort of a race game. 
there was a church in the middle of town. I actually learned a cool fact that I'm going to share with you now. I didn't know what a hamlet was. A hamlet is a town without a church or a place without a church, a village without a church. And then once a church is built, it becomes a town. That's what a hamlet is. I didn't know that. So the point of the game is that you are trying to build a church uh, and there are you know five or six pieces of the church that must be built. And once the church is completely built, everybody gets one more turn and that's the end of the game. And if nobody builds the church, the game will last a million years. Literally, it could just go forever. Nothing will end the game other than building the church. If no one builds it, the game never ends. Um, so someone's got to build the church. Someone's got to work on that. And when that is finished, uh, the game ends. So that could be 45 minutes. That could be three hours, totally up to the players. Um, but you are highly incentivized in finish, finishing the church because there's a ton of points there. Um, and uh, the first person who finishes it also gets some bonuses. But there's some really other cool splatter things going on there. There's a little bit of a food chain magnet milestone system going on. The first person to produce a, a high quality, a, a resource for the rest of the game produces high quality versions of that resource, which resource, which sell for double. Uh, and so you get sort of this unlocked superpower by racing to a different resource. Um, the first person to build uh, a road in the game, their roads are worth two points at the end of the game instead of one, which can be really, really crazy. So that's a really cool element. I really like, you don't often see Spl splatter kind of lives in a world of their own. You don't often see people, um, taking too many of their ideas and putting them in games. And I, I, I that was what drew me to this game, Hamlet, was that there was uh, a whole lot of splatter in there. And it's really interesting. It's a fascinating game. And I really recommend playing it um, if you are into pretty pretty highly interactive games. I mean, again, the, the map you're building together is the only thing you're looking at. Um, you are all uh, using the same resources and, uh, you know, it's it's pretty cool. It can be, I, I could see it being pretty backstabby, but also I don't think it's very long. So I think that would be a diminished uh, issue if that is one for you. Uh, other games I've played recently, Woodcraft, um, the new Suhi, uh, flat, uh, what's his name? Uh, I'll find it in a second. Uh, I always forget his first name. Um, but Woodcraft is tight, tight as hell. Um, that was the first thing I think of when I think of Woodcraft is how uh, Ross Arnold uh, designed it along with Vladimir Suhi um, from Delicious Games. And it is uh, brutally tight. It is a game where you have nothing and f score no points. <laughs> and then you look at the scoreboard and see that there's a place to score up to 150 points. And in your first game, you go, that's stupid because I scored 40. What are you talking about? Um, but this is a, I, I say a pretty high skill game. This feels like one of those games where if somebody has played it once or twice before and you've never played it before, you are DOA. Um, it is a game where you have, I believe, 14 actions, something like that throughout the game. You have very limited actions. Um, there are ways to maybe squeeze out a 15th or a 16th action. Um, but if you don't make one of those actions really count and set up an engine, you are dead. Um, there are many engines to build in the game as well, which feels interesting to me. A lot of different routes you can go. But once you pick a route, again, when you have so few actions, um, this is not a potpourri game. This is not a do a little bit of everything game. This is sort of pick one or two things and take them to the end and hope that that's enough. Um, Jury's still out on whether or not this is a, a, a game that's going to stick around, but I've played it multiplayer and I've played it solitaire and 
it is a game that I am excited to keep playing because I do feel like I really enjoy that experience of improving at a game and recognizing how, because I, I can see now how somebody could score 150 points and get to that range. Um, and on your first game, that feels just impossible. Um, so really cool. A lot of fun stuff going on there. Let's get to Deal with the Devil. Deal with the Devil is the weirdest game I maybe have ever played. Um, it is a four-player only game. So the absolute opposite of a solo game. Imagine getting four four people all together at a table. That's wild. The game is by Matus Kotri, um, and it comes from Czech Games, uh, CGE, Czech Games Edition. Um, and uh, it's the same designer that did Alchemists. Um, and it's super wild. So let's get into it. So four players only. Why does it need four players only? Because there are four different roles in the game, and the game doesn't work unless somebody's playing all the roles. There are two humans normies uh blue you know true blues as we would say in avalon i'm not going to go ahead and say good guys because maybe they're not because they're about to do some not so good guy things then you've got the cultist this is somebody who was once true blue a normal human if you will and they've already given one piece of their soul to the devil that's right everybody but the devil in this game has soul pieces the true blue humans have three pieces of soul and the cultist has two because they've already given one away to the devil. And for that, they have been given a whole bunch of resources. Whereas the true blue humans who have a fully intact soul have uh, nothing. They're pretty much broke. Um, not starting with a lot. Then you got the devil. The devil has a embarrassment of riches, just an absurd amount of money, uh, a crazy amount of stuff. But they want more soul. They are hungry for soul. So how is the, how does this whole work? How does this whole thing work? Well, it, it feels it's got it definitely has a trader mechanic kind of vibe. It's got a uh, hidden roles thing. So at the beginning of the game, everybody has dealt what they call a chest. Think of it sort of like um, a cardboard envelope that's that the top half sort of has a hinge on it and slides open, and there is room inside to hold uh, resources, coins, or um, some of the various resources in the game, like glass or marble or, you know, wood, food, things like that, and pieces of soul. At the beginning of the game, everybody's randomly given one of these. And much like in Avalon or um, Werewolf or anything like that, you find out your role and you secretly look. So you have a, a large and impressive cardboard building in front of you that acts as a player screen, also acts as a place to do your actions and hit, hide your money and hide your role and do all that stuff. Um, so everybody's going to go ahead and find out who they are. And then the wheeling and dealing begins. So the actual game is 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 a pretty heavy medium to heavy euro. I mean, it, it, if you if you play heavy euros, you're you're gonna grasp the actual game really quickly. But what's heavy is how and why. Now, the Dice Tower did a review of this, and uh, you know, admittedly, I would say probably not their their style of game. Um, and 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 I'd say a lot of not not the style of a lot of groups. This is a game that is going to have a rough first game, no matter what. I've never played a game like this before. I don't think you've played a game like this before. You've played elements of this game. You've played hidden role playing games. You've played, uh, you know, you've played Avalon-esque games and you've played sort of, you know, building res resource collection, building buildings and set collection types games. But to combine them all together, even for somebody who's as experienced of a gamer as myself playing games for, you know, 12, 13 years now, 
Um, I found myself in round one going, I have no idea what I should be even be thinking about doing here. How, how do I even, do I sell my soul? What's my soul worth? I was a, I was a good guy in my first game. We played two games in one night. We played half of a game. And then because we're experienced gamers, we realized, okay, this is a game that's going to have a horrible first game. We played half of it. We now all fully get it. Let's go back and play the whole game again. And we did. And that was totally, I would recommend that as a great way to play the game, play half of it start over and then play it for real once everybody gets the rolls. Um, but yeah, what is your soul worth? How much do you sell it for? The Dice Tower seemed to really struggle with that. They, you know, they felt like, well, nobody's going to sell their soul. And so, you know, why would anybody ever do that? And well, because just like Woodcraft, the game is tight as hell. There is no way you got to build buildings to get points and you have to build buildings in order to create these sets, which are going to give you more income and give you a huge amount of points and give you powers and give you all these things. And you produce a little bit on your own, but you really need to make a deal with the devil. Uh, you're not going to win the game if you're not making a deal with the devil if you're a human. And the devil is not going to win the game unless he's or she is giving you enough stuff to get your soul. And the game lies within that fun space of how far can you push it? How far can you push the devil? And how far can the devil push you? And who's going to come out on the right side? It is a wildly interesting negotiation game that all happens in secret. You are handed... You, so there's an app involved, but the app does nothing other than secretly disperse everybody's chests in a way that makes sense. So you do... So I, I put in my little chest... Uh, what I'm willing to give as well as how much I want for it. So, you know, my little chest has an area where I can set a dial to how much money I want and I can put in all the things I want and I'll say, I sell this for that. Then it all goes into the middle. Everybody, there's a little QR code on the back of your chest. They're scanned in front of a phone. Nobody can see the QR codes because they're held face down. And then they are the, the, the app, the phone tells you who gets what. The green player gets this one. The blue player gets this one. Nobody knows who they're getting or what they're getting. Then you open it up in secret and you see somebody's deal. And maybe you see the devil's deal. And the devil says, I want one piece of soul. And in, 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 in for that, I'm willing to give you this absurd amount of things. And before the negotiating round starts, you can actually put a card out asking for certain things. So it's not just random. It's because how would they know what you need in order to build? You have a secret hand of building cards you're trying to build. So you can put out a little card in front that says, I, I need glass this turn, guys, or I need some food. The devil can look at that. Other players can look at that. And you can look around the table, see what people want, see what you want. And the, de the deals begin. And I found the game to have so many of these, oh my God, this is the most interesting and fun decisions I've had to make in a board game all year. Moments constantly throughout the game. Um, I don't know if this is going to be a game that's great after three or four games, but it's so rare that I play something that feels absolutely different from anything I've ever played before. And look, it, you, you may be saying you hate Avalon. You don't No, no, no. I just don't like the meta in our group. I think I've been clear on that. Um, I, it's not that I don't like it. It's great for them. It's just not very fun for me, but I do love that, that style of game. Um, and I love a heavy Euro and nobody's ever really mashed those up in a way that I felt worked. It's a little too early to say if it works because I don't know, but we had so much fun playing this game, um, four of us. And we were laughing and talking about it and I woke up thinking about it and I just, it's just rare I have those experiences where it's just like, this is so fascinating. Um, and it requires multiple games to even begin to grok what's happening here or even to really decide if you like it. I mean, this is the kind of game where if somebody says they played it once and they're like, I'm never playing again, I hate it. We're just very different types of gamers. Like this is clearly interesting and clearly demands a couple games in order to play it. 
again, if you're the kind of player who plays something like this once, it says never again, more power to you. But I, we, we look at games differently. And when I see something like this that I've never experienced before, I, I need to play it a bunch of times in order to even decide, forget who, if I like it, forget if, you know, or if it's good, just to really even just see what, what's happening here. There's just a lot and it's new and it's cool. Um, that's the main game on my brain that I'm super excited about. Let's get into the state of solo modes in 2022. So Essen came and went this year. Uh, obviously, I didn't go there. None of the game brainers traveled to Essen, Germany in order to attend. But as we often do, uh, European retailers start shipping those out to people who can order them even as far away as America. And those games have arrived on our shores. And much like all board games in 2022 and the last 10 years, they come with solo modes. I'm going to take you through all of the Essen games that I have bought this year and their solo modes, tell you what I think, tell you which ones I think are worth playing in solo, tell you which ones maybe are even worth just buying for solo. Um, take a sip of coffee and then we're going to begin. Oh, I hate hearing people swallow. I'm sure you do too. Okay, let's start with Revive. Revive is a game um, that we have enjoyed a lot. It is sort of a race game with a post-apocalyptic post theme. The solo mode for the game is designed by uh, Kjetil Svensson, and um, it is a learning-to-play solo mode. So to me, there are two types of solo modes. We've talked about this before, but there are ones that are really good for learning how to play the game, and there are ones that are a game in and of itself, um, worth bringing to the table outside of just learning. And then there are some that maybe straddle the line a little bit with both. This one has mostly a foot in a learning game with a tiny little foot in, I might bring this out for fun. Um, this reminds me a lot of Arc Nova. Arc Nova, not in terms of just the game, which I think has really fun, snappy turns, a lot like Arc Nova, but, but in the solo mode as well. The solo mode is basically just play the game by yourself, um, and you have a set number of turns, and by the end of that, you see how much you scored. Um, I actually really enjoyed the solo mode for Arc Nova, it's not trying to create a, you know, a multiplayer experience with, um, you know, a very complicated automa and lots of rules. It's just play the game that you love to play and you have X amount of rounds to do as well as you can. And then at the end, see how you score. Um, you know, I, I really enjoy the round to round of Revive. Um, you know, none of these are going to serve as, as as reviews for the games in and of itself. I'm, I'm barely going to be explaining a lot of these games. I'm going to assume that you are somewhat familiar with them. I'll give you a quick uh, synopsis of them. But um, this is a race game with uh, a lot of card play and a lot of tech tracks that you're building up and working towards. Um, and, you know, one of the faults people could have with this game is that it's a little heads down, could be, could be perceived as some as multiplayer solitaire. And it doesn't, it doesn't cross a threshold for me in terms of it being it, uh, taking away from my enjoyment of the game. Um, but the fact that you can play the entire game without another player and have a pretty similar experience could uh, definitely uh, show you how sort of multiplayer solitaire this game can be at times. Um, but I enjoyed the aspect of this. It, it, it's, it's fantastic for learning the game. If you buy this game, I, you know, for me, it comes with a campaign, which I will never play. I just, uh, which is basically just a slow learn to play, um, slow way of getting you into the rules. I first just took all the rules out of the campaign, threw them all together and instantly jumped right into solo. There are a lot of asymmetric factions in this game, which can lead to a lot of replayability. You can try all the different factions. Again, for me, the main draw is so I can be a better multiplayer player. 
uh, of this game so I can understand strategies more so I can sort of learn different routes and experiment and try things um, a because it's just fun to play the game but b also because um, it makes further games more fun and uh, higher skill level um, there is uh, basically a B to score uh, that you're trying to reach. 49 or less and you lose. 100 points is considered a regular victory. And 108 they call Utopia or, you know, the best possible victory. Um, good for learning the game and actually fun to play. A lot like Ark Nova. If you enjoyed the Ark Nova solo mode, um, which is basically just a litmus test for did you do you enjoy the game? Um, so if you enjoyed Ark Nova, you probably enjoy the solo mode because you just get to play the game whenever you want. And uh, I would say this falls in the similar category. If you enjoy Revive, you will enjoy the solo mode for it. Um, it does no, in no way, shape, or form attempt to replicate a multiplayer game. But you get to play the game, and you can try different strategies, and you can explore all the different asymmetric factions. Um, I give it a good one. Uh, not my highest rec, but it is fun. But again, I like Revive. Now on the other end of the spectrum is Weather Machine. Uh, Weather Machine is the new Vital Lacerda game. And this is the only game on this list that I have only played solo. I have yet to find somebody who will play with me. Not that I've tried too hard because there's been so many other games to play. I'm sure I will get it to the table soon. But this is the main way I've enjoyed Weather Machine so far. Here comes a name you're going to hear a lot. Solitaire Rules by David Turksey. Um, when we think David Turksey, we think just the simplest of solo modes. No, we do not. We, David Turksey has found a way to make Weather Machine even as complicated. Learning the solo mode of Weather Machine is as complicated as learning Weather Machine. Now, for many people, that is a negative. For me, someone who loves learning games, it's awesome. I I enjoy David Turksey. It's almost like, a, like he's challenging you to even dare to learn his automas. They're so complicated, but I am, I'm often up for those challenges and I enjoy them. Um, so this is, uh, in, in this, uh, solo mode, uh, which is called the saboteurs, you are playing as a, uh, this, the automa is playing as a company called Kidarkovia. I've tried looking at it backwards to see if it spells something like the the name of the other group in the game, but it does not. Um, and they are here to destroy lightning technologies, um, which is, uh, what is it? Vital's backwards, uh, let, let have whatever his company. So these are people who are trying to mess up everybody's plans. And by everybody, I mean yours. Um, comes with a ton of components for the solo mode, whereas Revive comes with no components for the solo mode. Um, you just play the game. This comes with a butt ton of components. You get uh, two really cool meeples. You get Agent Pink and Agent White, who are going to act as sort of the second and third player. This sort of mimics a third player game. You're getting a big old stack of cards that are going to act as the AI. And you're going to get challenge cards, which can make the AI more difficult or easier, depending on how you want to play. And you get a dedicated Automa player board that is massive and ridiculous in the amount of iconography on it. Um, learning Weather Machine is a whole thing. It will take you a day at best. You can set it up on the table. You read the rule book. Um, just to wrap your head around how everything comes together in that game is a lot. Then you got to do it all over again to learn the solo mode. So, and this is not one of those solo modes where I feel, you, I mean, you'll learn how to play the game through the solo mode, but you are learning the solo mode as well. This is, it's, and it's tough. Like I, I, I don't mind biting that off 
I don't mind. That's not too much for me to chew usually because I enjoy, you know, spending a couple days learning it and just sort of leaving it on the table. But just grokking the game, I didn't even bother with the solo mode at first. I just tried to grok the game and play it a little multi-handed um, and just sort of get the feel for it. Then I started taking on the solo mode and it felt like I was starting from scratch again. Okay, I have to learn an entire new system. It felt very complicated, um, but by the end of it, much like if you've played a, a coin game solitaire um, or you know some some war games that can be just wildly complicated, this is at that level. This is, I think, a, as complicated as solo can get. The rule book for the solo is um, fifteen pages long, <laughs> which is a lot. Uh, there's a lot going on, but Turksy's goal almost always is to really replicate a multiplayer game. Now, you're going to have to get to the point where you have ingested his solo rule rules to such a point that you can forget them and just play the game. But that's going to take a lot of time to get there to the point where the solo mode sort of dissolves into the background and you're actually just playing and you sort of can can do the bot um, uh, simply and without taking up too much of your time. Um, but if you really want to get the feel for playing Weather Machine, I think this is this this does a good job of replicating that. Now, again, I have not played it multiplayer, but I was often surprised by what the bot was going to do. I really felt like it was coming at me and my goals. It, it did feel like I was playing with someone there. It felt like somebody was aware of what I was doing, wasn't just being random, um, was taking into consideration what I wanted, had their own strategies I had to foil, and were you know constantly just sort of getting in my way and annoying me. I mean, like I said, the, the, this is described as you know basically the, uh, saboteurs, um, and they're here to sort of destroy your plans and destroy the plans of the group. Not that the game is co-op in any way, but there are things that everybody's sort of thematically working together to you know save the weather and stuff, and these people are making the weather a lot worse. Um, highly complicated, but if you are in for Weather Machine and you have no one to play with and you have and you love a challenge, uh, I think the Weather Machine solo could almost, almost make it worth buying just for the solo. But again, you have to be ready and down for the work. Uh, moving on to right now, I'm just going to say it, my favorite game of the year so far. Something could eclipse it. Deal with the Devil could eclipse it. I don't know. I need to play, need a lot more plays of a lot more games. And by the way, we're probably not going to, we're, we're definitely not going to do our best of the year uh, in 2022. The, the problem with Essen is that we get all the games in October, November, and I don't want to rush our best ofs so that they're ready by the end of December. Um, so we'll probably take January, maybe even part of February to keep playing these games and to be able to really give you an honest look at what we think were the best games of 2022. Uh, that aside, the solo mode of Teletum is awesome. So Teletum is um, just a medium weight Euro designed by uh, two of the best medium weight Euro designers. And the solo mode is really, really great. Uh, the back of every player board has a solo player board on it. The game comes with 13 cards that makes up the entire AI deck. I love a svelte, skinny AI deck. And it comes with a handful of challenge cards, uh, which can go ahead and make the game more complicated or easier as you go. Um, who designed this one? Well, 
another name you've heard just a second ago. This one is also by David Turksey, uh, along with Jeremy Avery. When does David, like for real, how, how much time does David Turksey have on his hands to design? Like I, 90% of the games we're talking about today are by David Turksey. It's wild. Um, very simple, snappy turns here that really do a good job of replicating the game. Now, you're playing against the Cardinal Bot. Uh, oh, I love these names. They're very funny. Uh, and the Cardinal Bot is not the smartest player in the world, but does a, But here's the cool thing about Teletum is that Teletum, every game is very different. At the beginning of the game, uh, you see the objectives of each fair. And those decide really what the what the game is going to be, what kind of game it's going to be, what are we going to be following, what are we going to be chasing, what's going to score victory points, what's going to be important, and the bot uh, is aware of what are important and will chase those things. And then once the fair passes, you take those cards out of their deck. They no longer care about those things, just like you no longer care about those things after a, a fair. So it does a really good job of, you know following the fairs just like you will chasing the things that are going to score points the turns are snappy as hell i'm talking 10 seconds tops flip a card okay ai does this boom 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 done uh, that's my favorite thing in a solo game my ideal solo mode in a board game is i feel like i'm playing against an opponent i don't feel like i'm just trying to beat a score but the ai's turns are over before they've begun and then i can think about what i want to do but what they've done has given me something to think about to let him does that really well. This is this is David Turksey showing that he can make a solid AI that feels like a multiplayer game, but the turns take two seconds. The rule book, uh, it comes with a whole rule book for the solo mode. I'm not going to tell you that you can learn it in 20 minutes. You can't. It's going to take you an hour or so. It's a little bit of work, but I found that within 30 minutes of playing it, the rules dissolved, and I was able to just play to let him. Um, this is a great solo mode. Is it worth buying just for the solo mode? I mean, it kind of feels a lot like the game when you're playing it, a two-player game, which is to me not as good as a three or four-player game, but it does feel like a two-player game. I have played this at two and it, 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 it's very fun. Um, it feels like a two-player game. There also comes with a handful of challenges at the end, things that you should try to do in order to, uh, you know, sort of unlock challenges in the game and then of course all the challenge cards that you can throw in to make the bot harder and harder this will make you better at Teletum so it has that aspect going if you're looking to challenge yourself to uh, become a better Teletum player um, man this really is very close to getting a wreck from me for buying just for the solo mode but uh, also this game just gets a wreck from me in general um, I think it's so far the best year I've played this year and the solo mode is really cool and well thought out. Next, we come to Hamlet. We talked about it briefly earlier. Uh, who designed this one? Oh, newcomer, David Turksey, along with Nick Shaw. Uh, honestly, honestly, David Turksey, what are you doing? When do you sleep? Hamlet, the solo game, is pretty interesting. Now, like I said, this, this is a highly thematic game. Uh, sorry, highly interactive game. It's somewhat thematic. Very interactive. Um, so pretty tough to make this feel like a game that you're playing with an actual person with an automa. What it does do is teach you the game well. Um, a little more rules than I wanted for a teaching style solo game. Um, 
you have a little independent player board with some action tiles, and then you're going to be putting sort of the other player colors into a bowl that you have to supply, pulling them out, and that will sort of decide the priority of the AI's actions. Um, this one felt to me a, like a little too much to learn. Now there is a you know sort of a four-page rule book um, with a, or three-page rule book with a lot of small type, and I felt like once I was playing it. I don't, it didn't feel all that much better than just playing multi-handed by myself, which is how I sort of originally learned the game. Um, it does, there, I mean, you know, you're playing against somebody. Um, it does feel like the person is getting in your way and disrupting things. Um, the, the automa is called Botrick and they come from a nearby town of Ottoham. How many words are we going to put auto in front of and bot? All of them. Um, the rules described at the beginning of the rulebook, it says Botrick isn't very clever, so they don't always act in the most logical or beneficial way. That, to me, is usually a little bit of a red flag when you're saying that at the beginning of it. Uh, and it's true. It did not feel like the smartest player, because I think this is a game that's, which is a boon to the game. I think this is a hard game to make feel like the multiplayer game, because it is so... Uh, interactive and you are all just working on this board and sort of stealing from each other and taking and how's the bot really going to know when it's the right time to be stealing your resources and it's not like you're it knows exactly what you I don't know it, it, it gets a little fiddly um sitting my coffee apologizing in advance and after um not my favorite of of the solo modes a little too much to chew for me but again if you really like hamlet and you don't have someone to play with there are solo rules there are technically solo rules solo rules included moving on to woodcraft ah where are you david turksy uh this is by vladimir sushi and ross arnold uh suhi sushi Su not probably not sushi i'm gonna go Su suki suchi sushi or suhi i think it's suhi vladimir suhi and ross arnold uh no specific solo mode designer has been credited here so i'm assuming uh one or two of of the main designers were involved in this this is a really cool solo mode here. I, I really enjoy Woodcraft. And like I said, a real son of a bitch, this game. Uh, tight and difficult, leads to a rough first game where you feel horrible at it, which is something I like. Agricola makes you feel real stupid the first time you play it. Woodcraft made me feel dumb as a bag of rocks the first time I played it. So I would like a solo mode in which I can... Uh, explore different strategies and try to get better. But I don't want to spend a thousand hours learning a solo mode. Well, Woodcraft has you covered. It comes with just a small deck of cards. And if I tell you the turns of the AI last less than five seconds, I am not exaggerating. Flip a card. AI takes this action away from you. AI discards the, these cards from the market. Done. Not the most interactive thing in the world. It's not responding to you. It's not... Uh, you're not playing, you know, tete-a-tete -tete with the AI, but you are often annoyed that the AI is moving the actions that you wanted, that making them less valuable, that the AI is taking cards that you wanted. And one of the uh, most important part of the games are these sort of large uh, public orders that you're working to fulfill. And at set points in the game, the AI will randomly remove some from the game. Uh, you don't know if it's the one that you're going for, which gives a really fun ticking clock that feels a lot like the actual multiplayer game of going, okay, I need to be chasing after these goals because someone might get there ahead of me. And the fact that the AI just randomly shuffles up the deck, you know, on round, I think it's 10 and 13, and will randomly remove one gives a lot of cool tension and pressure to, oh my God, I better make sure that I'm achieving these big endgame goals 
because I don't know what the AI is going after. Um, super cool, super fast, super fun. I really like this. Would I buy the game for this? No. Would I use this to get better at the game? Yes. Will I? Yes. Have I? I don't know. I'm probably getting worse at it, but I'm enjoying it. Um, really fun, really fast. I just love a fast, a fast AI. This game is just designed for it. It just, it seems to just really work well with the solo mode because you have this wonderful rondelle of actions. And if anybody moves any of them, it's going to spoil some plan of yours because you wanted all of them. Um, really well done. I enjoy that. Uh, it also comes with a series of challenges, things you can attempt to do better at. Um, always good. Next, we move on to Ediwa, or as you might think it's pronounced, Adewa or Atiwa. But I think, and I'm pretty sure I've done some work looking into it, it is pronounced Ediwa. This is the new Uwe Rosenberg game. Um, and much like all Uwe games, they come with an AI designed by Uwe himself. And this one is pretty cool. Um, much like a lot of his games, it does not come with a dedicated set of cards or a complicated uh, separate rule book. Usually there's a little half page at the end of the rule book saying, here's how you play the solo mode. This one is no different, except there are some pretty cool solo challenges at the end. Uh, this one feels a lot like the solo mode for Feast from Odin, if you're familiar with that. So worker placement game. The back of every player board works as an AI. So I guess potentially you could be playing multiple games of solitaire at once. Um, that's not a comment on the game itself. And worker placement. So you're going to take three different colors of meeples. You're going to take yellow, red, blue, whatever. You take three of the colors. And on your first turn, you're going to place out your yellows. And on your second turn, you're going to place out the blues. The yellows are still there. On the third turn, you're going to place out the reds. The yellows and the blues are still there, blocking all those spots. On the fourth turn, you're going to take back the yellows, opening up those spots, and on and on and on. Exactly like Feast for Odin, where you are blocking your own spots in the future. So if I take this now, I'm not going to be able to go there for this amount of time, it'll come back again later, et cetera, et cetera. I always think that's a pretty brilliant way of doing it. It does not feel like the multiplayer game at all. It feels like a puzzle in and of itself, but it works as a puzzle that I think makes you better at the game, um, which uh, is fun and allows you to try different strategies. It's never going to mirror a multiplayer game because of course, you know, there's gonna be a race to fight for certain spots every round. Um, but you are going to need to figure out the puzzle of, of sort of the best way to do this. And it, there's some hidden information. You're not sure what cards are going to come out, what sort of land cards are going to come out in the market. So that mixes things up a bit. Um, and of course, the order that the action tiles come out at the beginning of the game mixes things up a bit. Um, this is a simple get 120 points, win the game. Your goal is 120. That's it. Uva's just decided... If you can figure out how to score 120, you're pretty proficient at this. Um, but then there's a whole back page of solo challenges, which I think is really cool. Um, again, you're always supposed to try to get 120 points here, but do it in different ways. So finish the game with at least 40 fruit bats, uh, finish the game with three towns and 13 families. Just really cool ideas to try. I, they didn't have to add that in. Um, I think it adds some, some fun to it. I really enjoy playing the solo game here. Uh, is it better than Nusford? No, that to me is sort of the gold standard of of solo for Uva, or or, or maybe even Glass Road as well as an incredible solo game. Um, but it's as well thought out as those. It just happens to maybe not be as fun of a of a solo game just for the maybe the worker placement aspect of it. Um, but you know, if you enjoy and really love the Feast for Odin one, I, I think you'll 
you'll find this one similar. It's a, it's a fun puzzle. It's definitely a fun puzzle. Um, one more. The last one. And I saved the most interesting one for last. This is John Company, second edition by Cole Worley. You play as the crown, the monarchy itself. And who is the crown designed by? The AI here is the same designer of the incredible solo game, Pax Pamir, second edition. This is Richard Wilkins, a.k.a. Ricky Royal from the Box of Delights YouTube channel. My favorite solo mode YouTube channel in the world. Uh, Ricky is an incredible solo designer. Uh, I was so blown away by the Pax Premier 2e solo mode. It is so fun and so innovative. And he has, he's outdone himself here. Um, the, the John Company is, an, is a game of, of intense negotiation. Um, and how are you ever going to, like, it is about, I'll do this for you if you do this for me. Um, it is table talk up the wazoo. It is, it is a game about favors. And he found a way to replicate that in a solo mode. And it, it, it's wildly innovative. And I, I cannot give enough credit to his creativity here. David Turksey wins the award for an absurd amount of quantity and output and solid solo modes. But Ricky Royal comes out every couple of years and with one design and it's mind blowing. Uh, and it's quite simple too. So uh, look, learn much like weather machine, just learning John company is a nightmare. And, and, and the nightmare is one that I love. Um, I love a good nightmare like that. Um, learning the solo mode here is not a nightmare, but it's a bit, it's a bit, it's not as much as learning the weather machine solo mode, but there's quite a bit here, but the way the negotiation happens is so cool. So you have a handful of red cubes. That's it. You have a handful of red cubes. The crown will do whatever you want for a certain amount of red cubes. You can do basically like you could do whatever you want. You could just decide, I want to take this from the crown. I want this to happen. I want you to vote for me. I want you to give me these resources. And the crown will just do whatever you want as long as you have a certain amount of these red cubes. And there's a, there's a set amount for certain things. Obviously, you know, there are more valuable asks that are going to cost more red cubes. But in order to, and, and you could just do it. You could just decide, you know what? I'm going to take this money. And the crown will look the other way if you give them a few red cubes. But your red pool of red cubes is limited. And the only way to get the red cubes back is to do things for the crown that you don't want to do. Do things that help the crown. Do things that hurt you. So there's this really fun negotiation aspect that's happening where you are, you are deciding what you want to ask for and what you're willing to give. And it actually feels like you're negotiating with somebody else at the table. And it is aggravating and you're like, oh, I just need, I just need, I need, I need this vote. I need to be this person right now in the game. I need this role. I need my troop sent to this place and I can totally just do it right now, but then I'm not going to be able to ask this favor I need later on in the round. Uh, but if I give up this job that I have or this mansion or whatever in order to, you know, give it to the crown, then I'll be able to do both things. And so you were really in the headspace of John Company, when you were playing the solo mode, you're thinking, what, I, what can I get away with? What can I give? How can I trick someone into liking me? How can I take advantage of that? How can I make a temporary alliance? How can I then backstab in order to get what I want? How am I going to get backstabbed? 
Um, and it all does it with this brilliant sort of cube negotiating system wherein you can buy rule breaking moments in the game is that I think the best way to describe it. You can just, I'm going to steal this from you now and you are going, because I have a certain amount of favor to give you here it is. But later on, I'm not going to have any more favor and to get it back, I'm going to have to do favors for you. Super brilliant, super fun. Uh, there is the, the AI has sort of climates or personalities that depend on how well you're doing, the better that the, you know, uh, the, the East India trading company is doing, the more the crown demands, uh, the worse they're doing, the more the crown is willing to sort of help to sort of buy you out of trouble. Um, it also historically is quite interesting too. There's a whole lot written about, um, you know, the crown's relationship with the East India trading company at the time, or is it just the Indian trading company? I think, uh, super fascinating, super interesting. Once again, Richard Wilkins blows me away with an innovative solo mode. Um, is this worth buying John company two E for? I'm going to say yes, but because I think, the kind of person who's interested in John Company 2E is somebody who does not mind playing the game alone anyway. Um, and if they never were to play it with somebody else, they, they've probably spent 20, 30 hours with it sitting on their table while they learn it, while they read the history behind it, while they take turns playing with the AI. I think you're getting your money's worth out of this, even if you never play this multiplayer. But I think, I think Pac Cole's games are just fascinating and almost works of art in and of themselves and just really fun to play around with. And I think Richard Wilkins, Ricky does a fantastic job of bringing that to life and adding a whole other layer to the solo experience and to the game itself that I think, in, in fact, even if you never want to play solo mode, I'd recommend you play this solo mode. If you own this game, even if you, even if you have a weekly group that you play with and you, you are the biggest John company two we player in the world, and you don't need more players. I still think it's worth checking out the solo mode because it's so fascinating and I think opens up a whole different aspect and way to look at the game. And you, you get to play against the crown at the time, which is you know very historically accurate as well and adds a whole other flavor as well to it. That, my fine feathered friends, is fine feathered friends, is a look at the Essen games of 2022 that I own, of which have solo modes. Let's move on. To solo modes of the year. Solo modes that I have played mostly this year. It comes down to two games. What have I been playing? Outside of all these SM games that I got to the table and learned solo modes for and played. The main solo modes I have played this year are Marvel Champions and Burn Cycle. Marvel Champions, of course, the first solo mode episode we ever did was talking about Marvel Champions. Fantasy Flight Games uh, deck builder. Um, plays incredibly as solo. Build a deck, pick a boss, take a hero, go against them. It's over in 20, 30 minutes. Try it again. Pick a different boss, pick a different hero. Infinite replayability. Gives me all the feels I want from a deck building game. And deck building, by that I mean like LCG, Netrunner, Game of Thrones. Um, I prefer it uh, head over heels to uh, Arkham Horror, which... I, I, you know, the campaign aspect of it isn't as exciting to me as constantly trying new decks, new villains, new paths to victory, new challenges. Um, I, I prefer that 20, 30 minute loop more than, okay, play, you know, a, a campaign that's going to take me a week or two to beat. Um, 
I can see the merits in both. Trust me, I played a lot of Arkham Horror LCG. I really enjoyed it. I played a lot of Lord of the Ring LCG. And in fact, I like that a lot too. Um, but my pick for best LCG solo is still Marvel Champions. And I've been playing a ton of it. Um, they are now in the X-Men phase. I mean, there are an, there's an insane amount of cards. And I have a subscription through Team Covenant. Uh, and I've had it since the day the game came out. So... You know, once every two months, I get a couple new heroes sent to me and I don't have to think about it. And then I just have a really cool storage system um, where I print dividers out and just sort of put the cards in big boxes. And I bought some storage things from Etsy. So it's just super easy and convenient for me when I get new things. I'm excited to try them out. I pop them in my storage. Um, and it's a game that I keep coming back to over and over again. Let's talk about the new big solo game of the year to me, which is Burn Cycle. The new game from Chip Theory Games, um, obviously Chip Theory Games, I would say, is the best producer of solo games uh, in the market. Not that they exclusively make solo games, but that all their games play very well solo. Um, I am a huge Committee Bones fan. I love Cloudspire. And now their new giant big box game is Burn Cycle, uh, which I got this year. And I have played it quite a bit solo. It is a lot, much like Cloudspire was a lot, and much like Too Many Bones is a lot. Uh, if we had to rate difficulty and comp complexity, I'd say Too Many Bones is still the simplest. I'd say Cloudspire is still the most complicated, and I'd put Burn Cycle somewhere in the middle. Um, super fun stealth infiltration heist game. So uh, in the solo mode, you pick a robot. And you pick a scenario feels quite a bit like Marvel in that sense of like, you're not going on campaigns. You're picking a scenario. You're picking a level of a game. You're picking one thing. And then there is a, a huge amount of randomness within that. So I pick this one scenario. And then in that scenario, there's a corporation involved of which there are a handful of different corporations and they all play very differently. Then I pick a robot to be me, to be, you know, the character I'm playing, and they all play extremely differently. And then on that, I pick sort of a corporation boss at the end of it, uh, of which they all play completely differently. So you could play the same scenario 50 times with different bosses, different, you know, different uh, robots and have a completely different experience every time. They all have different strengths and weaknesses. They all have different objectives. And the scenarios play wildly differently as well. Um, it's a pretty brilliant game there's a lot going on um there are this is a this is a beast to learn now when i when i was grading the complexity i'm grading more the solo complexity um cloudspire is still just like a monster for me um in terms of complexity just the solo mode i find the multiplayer mode to be much easier to understand than the solo mode there's always so many like there's just so many little keywords and things that seem to slow me down when I'm playing that game. It's sort of get in the way of my enjoyment of it. Not that I haven't. I've enjoyed it quite a bit, but it, it's it's work. Uh, too many bones, I can just have a blast playing. I, the solo mode, once you understand the main game, you understand this. Burn Cycle is... Uh, the game in and of itself is, as is more complicated, I'd say, than the multiplayer game of Cloudspire. Um, but once you've learned it, you can just play the solo mode. There isn't a ton to really be dealing with and looking up and figuring out. Um, 
the because it's a co-op game because the bots all to learn the game you already have to understand how the bots are going to work because and the bots being the bad guys the guards the the security that you're up against so you've already learned that we're in in cloudspire when you're learning to go up against uh you have to learn the AI. You have to learn how the other multiplayers are going to work. You have to learn, you know, that they're going to want to always take this route and the shortest routes. And what are they going to do in this situation? That always felt to me like a ton to learn. So once you've learned burn cycle, you're ready to go. And you don't need to learn anything different than you're going to learn when you play at co-op with your friends, which I love. And Too Many Bones works this exact same way. Um, Again, both of those are co-ops and Cloudspire is a multiplayer game. So there's a big difference in terms of how you're going to design the AI. They didn't have to design an AI here. The game already works. Um, Huge replayability, really fun. Now, you have to like a very specific genre of game. Do you like sneaking around and coming up with a plan and pulling off a heist? If those are, which is very puzzly. Now, at the beginning of the game, it's like, okay, you have to get into this room. You have to find the key in order to get into that room. Then you have to get the thing out of that room without being spotted. And you're probably then going to have to fight some kind of boss at the end. And in order to do that, you're going to have to find a lot of weapons and upgrades and things that are going to make it, you capable of fighting that boss. At the beginning of the game, you got to make a plan. How are you going to do that? You have to think about it like you're going to think about a heist. Like you're going to think about a bank robbery, of which we all do all the time. We're all bank robbers. So, of course, we're good at that. Now, if that sounds cool to you, I think you're going to love this as a solo mode. I think you're going to love it as a game. There's no difference. If that does not sound fun, if that sounds like, oh man, I just want combat or, oh, I'd rather just like punch some things and, you know, level up and sort of role play that power fantasy a little bit, not dissing it. If you're into power fantasies, great. I like my power fantasies too sometimes. Um, This is not that at all. This is a game that, I think works really well multiplayer because you all get to sit around and talk and make plans and figure it out and then enact your own turns and try to pull off a bank robbery together. Bank robbery is always more fun with friends. We know that we've all done bank robberies alone. Boy, are they lonely, but when you're with friends, it's just, it's just a whole lot more fun. And burn cycle is that way to me too. Now it's still really fun solo um, because the game is really fun, but I like that puzzle. If and I didn't think I'd like that puzzle. I, I'm not really a person who like loves stealth games. Like I like Metal Gear Solid, but I haven't really enjoyed the Hitman series. I've tried to, um, you know, a lot of the sort of the stealth video games is not really my thing. I'm much more of a like, ah, screw it. Let's just pull out the gun and go crazy. Um, this is not that, but I have enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed the puzzle, and I found there's enough excitement, and there is sort of powering up, and you get a little bit of that. RPG aspect, and I just love the cyberpunk theme, which is so fantastic. Um, so those are the main two solo mode games I played this year. We are edging up towards the one hour mark here, so I'm going to end it. Um, but I'm before we end it, I'm going to tell you, if you were to buy one solo game in 2022, what do I think you should buy? What do I think is the best solo mode game out there? Bang for your buck, replay value. Wada, 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 the whole thing. And my answer has not changed since the first episode of Solo Mode. I still think the best solo game out there is Marvel Champions LCG. Um, I'm not the world's biggest Marvel guy. I don't think, I don't think the theme is necessary here. Uh, it's, I love deck building, and I'll tell you how I enjoy it. This is how I, I'm going to tell you just straight up how I play this game. I go to Marvel Database 
which is, uh, it's not called that. I'm going to tell you right now what it's called. Marvel CDB, marvelcarddatabase.com. This is the main hub of the Marvel Champions community. Um, there are many like it for all of the main LCG communities. If you're familiar with thrones.net or things like that, or Netrunner had one, I forget what that's called. Uh, but Marvel CDB, go there. And then I just type in a, uh, a hero that I want to play. And I look for really interesting, cool decks. And then I just build that deck. I just, what we call net deck. I do, I'm not a deck builder. I don't have the time for it. I, people play this game a lot more than me. What I'm really interested in is playing really cool decks and trying other people's decks and seeing exactly what really smart, creative people can do with these decks and then playing them. And for me, there's an infinite amount of that. I love going to Marvel CDB, typing in the new hero that came out in the last couple months, seeing what awesome people have done with it, creative things, um, and then picking a villain, maybe someone that I'm, I've played a million times or someone I've never played before, and seeing how the deck works. And that's, that's my loop, and I love it. And I don't think I'll ever tire of it because they're, they're great designers behind these games, and they come out with great decks. Like if you loved Netrunner, if you loved Thrones, if you loved any of these games you are going to love this experience. It's it's that same experience that you love, that same, oh my God, I've got this deck. How am I going to pilot it? I'm so excited to learn how to pilot this deck. Um, and the AI is so fun and so fast and the villains are so creative and smart and cool. Um, and it, this is a fun game to play two player. Um, I've never played it three or four player. I'm not sure that would be my jam, but um, it's just great solo. It's fun. It's 30 minutes and you get so much game out of it. And you know, you, you just get that fun drip of uh, new heroes coming and new villains coming. Now, if you've never played before, where would I recommend that you start? Uh, you got to buy the base game to play it at all. Then there are, I think, five big box expansions so far. Each big box expansion comes with two heroes and a whole bunch of villains. The villains are the replayability of this game. Um, the base game, I think you get three. And then each expansion box is going to give you like five or six. I would recommend if you want to get into this game, get the base game, pick one expansion box that you like. I would stay away from the Guardians of the Galaxy one. Um, people, including myself, find it sort of not fun. The villains, one of the villains, Ronan, is just not fun. You just I, they, they over, they put their thumb too far on the scale there and made it just too 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 tough um some people are into that it seems to be the least balanced of them I, I, that'd be the one i buy last if you get addicted um pick whichever one else you like the most for theme and then maybe pick one or two heroes that you like um again characters that you're into or if you go to marvel cdb and just find decks that look really fun to play you can just see the most popular decks on the site there and there's always really fun cool things there um and again if you're into x-men they just started the x-men cycle you can play wolverine you can play storm you can play cyclops um you can play Jean Grey. Really fun. I'm a big X-Men guy, so this has been a little bit of a renaissance for me with the game lately. Um, and that's it. That is Solo Mode Episode 6. I hope everybody had a lovely Thanksgiving. I hope everybody's safe, safe and healthy in this uh, wild winter of flus and colds and COVIDs. Um, and I imagine that we will be back next week with regular programming. Until then... Solar mode is the solar mode, and you're all alone in the solar mode, and you 
miss your group yeah. or you had some kids yeah. but you bought some games why did you buy those games it's the solo mode it's the solo mode and you're all alone in the solo mode and your group is gone or you had some kids but you bought those games why did you buy those games <laughs> sorry <laughs>